You ready, Harvey? Okay, let's do it. Wisdom walking with a hat man. Hat man's log 14.6.39. We're standing in the middle of a field and it's incredibly busy with all the birds. We've got starlings, crows, blackbirds, pigeons, sparrows, and I saw three robins earlier. I think everyone's getting ready for the Twitter painting season. As the wise owl said in the movie Bambi, I think it was released 1942. Mm, I might be wrong on that, I'll check it out. Um, yeah, very noisy today with the birds all calling out for a would-be suitor. And uh, in a few weeks time, I'm sure eggs will be laid, etc. So last week, just thinking back, um, I had my uh, COVID injection a lot earlier than uh, I expected. But um, yeah, I had my COVID injection, number one. And um, I had to go to a, uh, a place the other side of town. And I turned up and there's all loads and loads of volunteers with a high-vis vests waving, smiling, directing us, talking to us, showing us where to go. Um, and then got through to where the healthcare professionals were. And the energy that had been created was still there. Now I was there about 2, 2.30 in the afternoon. So these guys and girls must have been going since about eight or nine in the morning, whenever. And they still had the energy. I was really, really impressed. Later that afternoon, I had to call uh, my GP surgery uh, to collect a couple of items to make sure that they were available to me. And um, the woman I spoke to, I, I happened to get through to a different uh, building to the one I usually speak to. And she said, yeah, she can have it all for me. Give, give her 20 minutes and I can get, uh, she could get me what I needed. She just asked me to hold on while she double-checked. She came back and said, no, I can't. But um, what I can do is get it for you at another place. And it turned out my normal office that I go to to see my GP. And this woman's really helpful. And I, you know, I said to her at the end of it, I said, thanks very much. And she just said, the normal, is there anything else I can help you with? And I said, well, yeah, there is actually. Can I just have a moment? I said, I just want to say how grateful and thankful I am for all the stuff you guys are doing at the moment. You're there in the front line, probably one of the most riskiest bits in this pandemic, and you're still doing a great job. So can, can I just say thank you very much? And um, yeah, I think you're doing a fantastic job. And I can hear her smile. <laughs> she said thank you. And uh, anyway, a bit of goodbye. Then on Saturday, I was talking to a friend of mine about um, what had happened with the NHS. And uh, I was reminded that they were also a volunteer at the same place in Chinnam. And I said, yeah, I just couldn't believe how great everyone was. And knowing that she was a volunteer at the, the Olympics in London, I asked, you know, was there any similarity? How did it compare? She said it was just like the Olympics. 
She said, all volunteers and all we wanted to do was help. And all we needed to know is what did the organisation, what do they want us to do? And then we did it. <laughs> we just went and did what they asked us to do. There was a briefing for those who turned up, whether or not the morning or the afternoon. And if there were any changes for what they wanted part way through or halfway through, everyone was told quite clearly, you know, what the changes were, why, and they were asked if they could do what was asked of them. And she said to a man and a woman, and I suppose non-binary now, every one of them did it because they wanted to. So first of all, they turned up as volunteers with an ambition and a quest to help out. All they want to know is what are they, what, what's required of them. And then they did it. They just did it. No resistance, no, oh, I've got a better idea. They trusted the others to allow themselves to help where they could. So, um, yeah, I was uh, really, really impressed with the NHS this weekend. And to be fair, I'm wondering whether or not everyone gets the thanks and the gratitude that they're all deserving of and whether or not we get the thanks and the gratitude from ourselves about the good stuff that we get done. I don't know. Hopefully we do. And I also caught up with my daughter. Still trying to get hold of my son. When he listens to this, he'll know that I'm trying valiantly to get hold of him. Um, and circumstances have changed in her life. She's moved in with a fella. That's really good and exciting. Um, but so it's a new chapter for her. But I did remind her of a chapter that we, uh, the three of us would have when we were younger. And we were talking about things that made us laugh. Um, and one of the things that came to mind uh, was uh, maths and infinity. I'll come back to that in a second. But the, the entry point was, um, I said, can you imagine falling out of a plane? <laughs> for, for whatever reason, you just happened to fall out of a plane that was in the sky. And... Um, <laughs> You're falling out, and the first thing you're going to do, you know, unexpectedly you're falling out, first thing you're going to do, you're going to scream. So it goes like this. Ah! Right, so you carry on screaming and screaming and screaming. And then, <laughs> then you've got to take a breath, because you haven't landed yet. And that breath, can you imagine? You're like, ah! And then, oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> and then you've got to scream again. So, so in that moment where you've got to take your second breath, and that's what I want to talk about today our second breath. And how do we get more out of those moments? Well, you see, the thing is, that second breath might take two, three, four, five seconds, in whatever the circumstances may be. And it doesn't seem a lot of time to get anything done, but I reckon you can get oodles done. And the reason for this is because of the concept of infinity an endless time, an endless period when you have clarity, you have peace and quiet and you're ready to go. So let's imagine you're on a walk uh, as Harvey and I are doing now. 
and uh, I'm gonna move my right foot ahead of my left foot. And that's gonna be one step, probably about three feet ahead. Now, the, the idea of infinity is, I don't know if you know, but it never stops. It's a, it's a number uh, that never ends. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Or it's a moment that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So my three foot step, when I get halfway, I've done 18 inches. Okay. But then when I've moved halfway to the halfway point, I've done nine inches. When I've done halfway of the halfway point, of the halfway point is four and a half inches, it's 2.25 inches. And if you keep doing the maths, eventually you'll realize that theoretically, none of us can take a step because we'll never get there. Infinity, that moment mathematically is endless. But physically though, Michael, as you know, you will land and take that thing. So I'm thinking we've got two things going on and we've got the physical world and we've got the intellectual world. Intellectually, it seems like we've got a lifetime to travel short distances. And in those short distances, who knows what we might think? Who knows what kind of memories we might have? And I want to explore that more as I'm walking today. And now I want to turn my attention to um, a movie my thoughts in this one step, yeah? I saw Eddie the Eagle, a movie about a British fellow who, when he was a child, always wanted to compete at the Olympics. He wasn't the tallest, fittest or strongest, or athletic. <laughs> and this young boy, all he had was a desire, an overwhelming urge that he wanted to be in the Olympics. So he tried absolutely everything and failed gloriously at everything. And then he got to um, the position where he realized, hmm, I'm not gonna make it necessarily as an athlete in the regular Olympics. And then he thought about, oh, well, if I can't do that, what can I do? And he thought about the Winter Olympics. So he learned to ski on dry slopes and he got really good at it. His times and his efforts and his performance was good enough to hit the grade for the squad for Great Britain. But the authorities in charge at the time for the Olympic board didn't like him because they didn't like his background, where he came from. They thought he'd be an embarrassment. So most people's dreams would have died then. His didn't. So whilst he realised he wouldn't necessarily be a skier, he kept thinking about what else could it be? And he ended up as a British ski jumper. And he competed in the Olympics in Calgary in Canada. But it was about his journey. When, you know, he borrowed, got some money off his mum, nicked his dad's car, and then drove, uh, drove off to um, Europe so that he could uh, start, you know, go off a ski jump. He'd never been off one, but he decided that's, you know, if he's going to be a ski jumper, one of the things you've got to do is be able to get off, get up a ski jump and then slide down and jump off and land. So he's taking his dad's car and he's gone to um, Europe and his mum gave him some money. He didn't have any skis of 
suitable performance, but he just went with what he had. And he tried everything. And he crashed, and he landed, and he crashed, and he landed, and... And this is on the small jump, I think it was 20 metres or 30 metres. You see, the thing he'd worked out, that in order to compete for Great Britain at the Olympics, all he had to do was to compete in one competition and get a, uh, a recorded score. That meant he could go to the Olympics. So, eventually, he runs into this guy called Bronson Peary, I think, or Perry, a fictional character based on two real life uh, sports coaches that Eddie had. And um, the coach looked at him and said, look, you've got no talent, <laughs> you've got no skill, you have no athleticism, you're gonna kill yourself. And Eddie goes, well, I'm gonna do it anyway. And the character of the coach, Peary, Bronson, um, yeah, Bronson, he himself was a potential world champion skier, um, ski jumper. But his coach at the time, you know, he said he had great talent and skill, but the thing he lacked was focus. And his lack of focus meant they never reached the high levels of, the high levels of success he should have done. And Bronson's coach said that was his biggest disappointment. So we've got Eddie the Eagle with his uh, desire since a child. And he says, I'm gonna do it anyway. And one thing leads to another. And uh, the Eddie lands the jump finally uh, as a result of the Bronson helping him to understand how to land, how to take off. And he recognized the focus that Eddie the Eagle has and decides to help him get through to the Olympics. And he does. But before he gets there, one of the things is he's got to jump off, I think it was a 50 metre or a 30 metre ski jump. And he landed, uh, sorry, he went off the jump and he landed it and got a score. Hurrah, he can now go to the Olympics. The Olymp British Olympic Authority called him in and Eddie was saying, right, oh, you know, great, looking forward to it. And they said, well, you're not going. You don't meet our standards. And Eddie said, well, I met your standards and everything else. And they said, no, but the new standards are these. And you haven't got the score. And basically, they dumped him because his face just didn't fit. So once again, Eddie could have given up. He didn't. He went back to Bronson, who said, uh, well, that's ridiculous. Um, okay, then and they decided to go for other competitions. And Eddie then got a qualifying jump that meant he could go. But before he did this, he's on this big ski jump. He's gone to the top and he's looking down. And from that view up, looking down at the ramp, the snow, the bottom of the mountain, it's a really scary place. And then he's taking his breath one, and the breath two, <laughs> that gap between the moments must have felt like an infinity, an eternal period of time. And the people behind him thought he was gonna freeze and get off. 
And Eddie turns round to the person behind him and says, could you give me a push? <laughs> um, as a result, Tony, he lost his balance and ended up going down the ramp and he made his first landing off the particular jump. But that did make me chuckle. You know, there was a breathing moment looking down, but the fear of that, you know, prior to takeoff, prior to skiing down the hill, just, whew. And then you got the other part of a ski jumper is the eternal moment from when you've left the jump and when you're airborne. So you've got the couple of breaths at the top. And the fear is you're looking down going, oh my God, I'm actually going, I'm gonna do this. And then you're doing it and you're doing all the things you train and then you get to the jump, the takeoff point and you jump and then you leap. Lean forward, butt out, legs together. And then there's a moment when your form is in the right place. And then you've got that period of time when it's all working. Before you've got to think about the actual landing of the jump. And that moment, that's got to be a lifetime when you've got it right. When you can look around at everything all around you, you're free of all the self-limiting beliefs, all the self-limiting physical attributes that you may have. And then you land. Now Eddie uh, then went to the Olympics. He landed his jump, he came last by a long way. I think it was about, about 20 odd meters. But the crowd loved him because he was there. He was a trier about what the Olympics is all about. It's not about the winning or losing, it's the taking part. And Eddie wanted to be Olympian. He met the grade, he'd set a British record and he was euphoric. But there was a conversation that he had with some of his peers that you're kind of a joke at the moment. He said, well, I'm not taking it as a joke. I'm serious about it. He said, the real jumpers do it off the 70 meter jump. So Eddie announced to the world that he was going to do a 70 meter jump the following day, having never done the 70 meter jump. And again, he gets to the top and the commentators are like cheering him on and then uh, they're watching him. And once again, it looks like Eddie is freezing. But he's on the Olympics and he can't ask somebody for a push. And again, he's taking his second breath. And then he goes. Now in those two breaths, that would be a lifetime of thinking and trying to manage all the uh, nervousness. But he did it. And when he landed, the crowd went berserk and balmy. He'd actually done more than he thought he could ever do. And yeah, he got two jumps, he finished last in both jumps, but he was there and he made it. And he became a hero, really. And I remember at the time thinking what a hero he was, but I'd forgotten about him. And all I'd recalled was with, yeah, a lack of respect. What a joke he was. Then you looked at it again and you realised actually, no, this guy was a hero. He had his moments of infinity, the moments to address his self-doubt, his lack of confidence, and he did it anyway. Knowing that doing your best is the only option must be amazing, even if you know it will end in failure.
Crikey. What a thought. Change of state, Denzel Washington says um, in a couple of interviews, anything you practice, you get good at. We've heard that Eddie practiced and he got good at it and he did it. So what about ourselves? Are you getting it yet? Whatever we practice, we can get good at. Whatever we practice. For instance, you might want to get fit or fitter or, or, or whatever it is. Now, when you decide to start upon it, you'll never be performing at the very best you could ever be. All you could ever do is be the best you are today, this morning, this afternoon, this evening. And if you practice to the best you can in those moments, long enough, you could end up on a 30 meter, a 50 meter or a 70 meter jump, and who knows, you might end up in the Olympics, <laughs> you might end up as a failure, but you, knowing you did your very best. That's a heroic time on your two breaths. Falling out of a plane, you're still gonna take a second breath. <laughs> getting to the top of a ski jump, that takes strength first of all, getting up that high. Sitting down, that takes strength. Looking down and not freezing. Asking for a push, <laughs> that takes strength. And letting go, that takes strength. So if we can practice, to our best. It's the beginning of becoming our very best version of ourselves in whatever it is. It could be a physical thing. It could be an emotional thing, a relationship thing, an employee, a volunteering thing. If you practice it, you get from the best you are right now to the best you could be. That'd be a good place. But you can't do it overnight. So I reckon two minutes. Whatever it is you want to be, let's imagine you want to be a runner, a fitter, or do the, uh, I don't know, a 5K, 10K, whatever run it is, for instance. Just start with the basics. Just practice for two minutes. But it starts with setting the clock. On a ski jump, you've got time from sitting down to going. You've got an allocated period of time you've got to go. So what I'm thinking is, let's give ourselves a two minute window. You press the button, the clock starts ticking. And what you do, you're looking to get your kit off, and if it's running, put your kit on. That's, you know, put your vest on, jersey, um, gloves, hat, shorts, leggings, jeggings, whatever they are, socks, trainers, tie them up, zip them up, whatever it is, and go for maybe your bedroom or the spare room walk down the stairs, clock still running. Check all the electrics off, the front door's shut, windows are shut. Pour the water into your cup, because you're gonna need that. Clock still running. Go to the back door, open it all up. Lock the door, go to the back gate. Keep looking at the clock, and maybe have a walk to begin, just to warm yourself up. As soon as two minutes hits, stop. That's enough. Go back. Day one, exercise, done. First thing, two minutes, well done. And repeat it, as Denzel said, whatever we practice, we'll get good at. 
starting something, getting up the ramp, sitting on there, asking for a push. That's everything before you even do it. So, you know, falling out of an airplane, you're going to scream, oh my God, you're going to take a breath, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> on a ski jump, or in your life, you know, as an employee, as a lover, father, mother, daughter, son, cousin, etc. Just two minutes, keep practicing for two minutes. You got it? Yeah. And then one day, before you know it, you might think, well, the time is going to, I've done two minutes, you know, I'm going to click it to like, set it for four minutes, five minutes. Well, two minutes, 20. But the thing is, every time you take a step, you're going from a three foot stride, from a standing start to a three foot stride. You're in infinity in that, move, in that moment. And in that moment, that's where you got the peace. So, yeah, the uh, volunteers at the Olympics, they were great. They knew what, the, you know, they wanted to help out. They wanted to follow the cause. They asked for direction and they did it. They were told and everything was great. The COVID marshals, they were great. The health staff, they're great. You're great. Whatever you're doing, you're great at it. And you've probably practiced again and again and again. So in those other areas you want to be better at, maybe uh, give yourself two minutes. Denzel would love that. And you will too. Okay, Harvey and I out. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye.